here in June. And today's theme of the show, Carl, the intern middleman is winners. Winners? When I go down to Disney, there is a special bumper sticker that my friends put on. It's Carl and the winners because we win so many contests. But then I also think I'm Carl of Carl and the winners. But it also sounds like I am not one of the winners, but I'm, I'm the leader of the winners. So that is a much more convoluted story than I wanted to tell. So we'll talk to our guest, Tom Ridgely from stlshakes.com about much ado about nothing at Shakespeare Glen. And we'll talk Karate Kid musical around minute 25. Around minute 39, we'll talk to our friends Cam Wiggs and Kurt Doolin from Popcorn for Breakfast about Top Gun Maverick around minute 46. Bob's Burgers, the movie, and then Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Around minute 53, Watcher, around one hour and seven minutes. The Offer, Streaming Arguments, Star Wars, and our area wrap-up. Why are we talking about winners today? Because Kirk Doolin and Cam Wiggs are our, our, our uh, guests today, and they are on my winning Cinema St. Louis I Love Movies Trivia Night team. Oh, so First it's Lynn and the winners. Yes, first place, but they they are on the pop. They have a podcast, Popcorn for Breakfast. That's right. I have had popcorn for breakfast so many times. All the time. It's. I think it's the breakfast of champions. It's the breakfast of winners. That's right. We should have brought some. I'm. I'm a little ashamed that we don't have some in front of me right now. And we have as our guest the triumphant Tom Ridgely from. St. Louis Shakespeare Festival. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. I was worried that with all the whirlwind from last night's opening night, well, it opened in the Forest Park on uh, Wednesday. Much Ado About Nothing is this year's grand event. And I thought, oh man, he's going to be up so late. And then we have to get him on this morning. And Allie goes, he has little children. He- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's used to it. Yeah. So but I want you to know they're down in Dallas, and this was my one morning, and I and I, and I, I chose to spend it with you all. Well, thank you. Well, I just want to get everybody to Forest Park. If they don't do this as a tradition every summer, uh, you have to go to Shakespeare Glen, and this year's show is so fun. It is much ado about nothing, a, a Shakespeare comedy, and it's been two years since it was it was introduced as the show of 2020. But we all know what happened. But I will say, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival pivoted so well during the pandemic. You provided as much theater as possible on Facebook Live, on Zoom, on all your education programs. It was a remarkable what all you did to keep people engaged. And then last year was the incomparable Andre de Shields as King Lear. And that was incredible. And uh, uh, the St. Louis Circle Theater Circle awarded Shakespeare Festival with eight or nine awards last year. Yeah, I think eight. Well, I think this one from last night's gonna going to be a contender because I can't tell you when I've seen an audience at Shakespeare Glen so into it. Yeah, it was an awesome crowd. So why is this show special this year? 
Well, it's funny, you know, as you said, it was the one that we had planned for 2020. Um, and it's sort of been just another example, I think, of how all the, you know, strangeness of the last three years has also offered up these moments that sort of seem, um, I, you know, that we couldn't ever have planned, but that also seem like they were meant to be. And, I, and you know, for whatever reason, I think because Much Ado is so warm and funny and about, you know, people reconnecting, you know, Benetrice and uh, Benedict and Beatrice were sort of together and broke up and got back together and Claudio and Hero together and broke up and got back together. So it's sort of about, you know, um, you know, leaving and coming back. And, 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 and that's obviously something we've all been through. And I think we've all just been yearning to be together and to laugh and, and to feel love and hope. And, and that's what this play offers. Well, the ensembles is just fantastic. And it's like Marx Brothers meets Shakespeare because it's so funny. And uh, Kenneth Hamilton, who's playing Benedict and, oh, I have to, well, the actress playing Beatrice, they're just Blair, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Oh, they had the audience in the palm of their hand. And uh, everybody was good from the from the uh, small characters. My Belleville native pal, Whit Reichert's one of the, small but pivotal roles oh and, he's uh, so funny isn't he he's just a riot yes we were in a community theater production of the wizard of oz together in uh in 19 in 1972 i didn't and, realize he was from belleville yes belleville west graduate and uh he uh was the cowardly lion so you can imagine <laughs> what he was like guess. like a like a college student will i mean wit College yeah. student wit, but you have such a combination of uh, young local talent, sage local talent, and then the Shakespearean actors that come in for this. And Chauncey Thomas, Carl Chauncey's got a major role. Love Chauncey. He's Don Pet uh, Petro, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and he's oh, he's just wonderful. And so he just they make Shakespeare alive. They make it understanding. But anyway, what, the reason I'm name dropping wit was he said to me last night that Bruce Longworth, the director, knows how to make Shakespeare understandable for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce is 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 a master. And this is his fifth show for us. And uh, yeah, he just keeps topping himself, it seems like. Well, I've been going to the Shakespeare Festival in Forest Park since its inception. And there are two things that I love about Shakespeare in the Park here in St. Louis. One is the green show for people who don't know. And they say it's for children, but it's not. It's actually a great it's a great thing for people to understand what's going on. And secondly, the post dispatches giant mural of what's going on because if you are not and this is a great way to get people into the play that oh i don't like shakespeare no you will know exactly what's going on if you just do a little bit of light reading right before you go and it's, it's right there it's right next to the beer tent so while you're waiting to get a beer or whatever or snacks or soda or water you can check that out and find out what's going on so tom please tell me that those two things are here this year 
Well, I'm sad to report that there is the mini play green show event is not happening this year. Um, uh, and the post dispatch cartoon, I'm sad to say, is no longer in the post dispatch, but we still are. Uh, it is still in the Glen. Judy right, and, right. It's it's there. It's on a big poster board. Right. It is. There. It's, it's right giant. there. So, so that's where people congregate around before the show to brush up their Shakespeare and figure out what the heck is about to happen. So it's great. And this year's is, is, is no exception. Well, Carl, you would be happy to know that the St. Louis barkeep has a tent uh, with all the local products. And there's always a special brew from this year. Is it uh, urban chestnut or Shaffley? Shaffley. Okay. I thought so. I thought it was Shaffley, but I was just like, Oh, wait a minute here. And then Steve's hot dogs is it is there this year. So I went to the tent with Steve's hot dogs. And what's really awesome is if you just want beverages or snacks, there's one line. But if you want to get the hot dogs, there's another line. Smart. Very, very smart. Very smart. And you can use cash or credit or debit. And so you can have plastic if you don't have cash. But get this for the donations because it's free will, but you can get the little lanterns uh, in the park and donate or they come around. The kids come around and you give them some of your donations. But there's a QR code in the program so you can donate that way. Couldn't be easier. I know. And it's modern technology. And speaking <laughs> of technology, Kareem Deans and Randy Wandel's sound is fabulous. Fabulous. You can hear everything. Everything is so crisp. And then I love, always love the musicians that you integrate through the whole show. Yeah. Matt and Brian. They're so cool. Yeah. And there's that cute little dance number for the curtain call. <laughs> Isn't that fun? It is. It's really fun. It makes you want to get up and, and uh, dance, but there are VIP seating. If you want to sit, you don't have to lay on a blanket. What's wrong? Think- okay. What's wrong with laying on a blanket? I go every year and we get there and we lay on a blanket and I fall asleep right before the show's about to start. And then my wife kicks me and I wake up and I get to see this and it's fantastic. And this, this year is going to be a little different because there are some years that I loved it. You can hear the lions roaring over at the zoo. And some years the Muni is having their finale when, when you, a very, a very quiet moment is happening on stage in Shakespeare Glen. And then all of a sudden you hear la 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 in the back, but there's not, there won't be overlap for another week or two. So you won't have that weird experience. But that's what makes Forest Park so special. But that, I love that. I love that. And sometimes the lions and the animals at the zoo are always my favorite enhancement of Shakespeare in the park. Yeah. Last, yeah. last night uh, they had jungle boogie, so it was hopping <laughs> and people bring their lawn chairs, but uh, Carl, you're young. There's some of us. Um, I'm in my fifties. That's not young. I'm an old man. Well, yeah, well, some of us <laughs> like sitting in lo- in uh, chairs, lawn chairs, but people people have the camp chairs. They bring picnics. They they allow you to bring things into the park. And then s- some people had masks on last night. Some people did not. But it is outdoors, so we have that. So that is good. And I know uh, the cast has been tested a lot because uh, it's still. 
uh, the current virus is spreading. And in fact, two companies, two local companies in town postponed their shows uh, this weekend and next weekend because of outbreak in the cast. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Still dealing with it, but being outdoors does help. You got the, you know, open air and you can, you can be as close or as far away from anyone else as you feel like you need to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've been lucky so far that. And the crowd was really great last night. I mean, it was, it was full force. It was, it was just like everybody's back. Judy Newmark said to me afterwards, she goes, I guess everything's back. <laughs> yes. So yeah. um, I talked to Adam Flores last night and he is in charge of the touring educational component that you have. And for the second year in a row now, you, you were going back to parks which is awesome because remember, Carl, we had that discussion last year with Adam because it was Othello they were bringing into the parks, including the Bellevue Park. That's right. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be so, back in Belleville. So when's that going to start? Uh, it's basically the month of August. So we do four weeks in August. We go to 24 different parks all over the area, North City, South City, the county, Metro East. And it's basically a little mini portable Shakespeare in the park that uh, that we get to bring to all those other different communities. And it's just another wonderful component. And then your Shakespeare in the streets. Where are we going this year? Bevo Mill. <gasps> Bevo Mill. Yeah. Not far from and me. What's what's fun about that one is well, fun. But what's interesting is <laughs> it is, you know, we we started working with them because obviously that was sort of the, the epicenter of the Bosnian immigration and, and that story of that community and how they, you know, put down roots there and sort of spread from there uh, was really interesting. Um, but uh, you know, in the meantime, cause we'd also planned this sort of a year prior um, you know, we've had this huge influx of Afghan refugees. And, you know, before that, obviously, originally it was sort of this big German community. So there's sort of these layers of immigration um, that have just sort of built up in that area. And, and it's still a point of entry. So, uh, you know, Oasis International and a lot of these organiz organizations that support people coming into St. Louis and starting their lives over are still there doing that. And so it's become this larger story about what it means to move to somewhere on the other side of the world and, and, and start fresh. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a, uh, I used to live in Bevo slash Holly Hills. Now I live in St. Louis Hills, but I, when I found that out, I was like, Oh, this is going to be so awesome because um, my neighborhood was very multicultural and uh, you would go to all the little shops and, and hear people. And you just see this, there, this hardworking um, dreams and hopes and the whole thing about, um, you know, moving here. And in fact, mustard seed theater did a whole, the Bosnian project because we have the we have like one of the world's biggest populations now and um it's it's just i just think what you do is remarkable last year's show in the ville was just incredible and that set won our st louis theater circle award by marjorie and peter speck but last night's set josh smith set is so large but it has a working fountain <laughs> it does on the stage it, it gets used 
Huh. Yeah. And multiple layers. That was just the, I can't tell people enough about how just delightful this is. And it just moves and, and uh, uh, you know, it starts when it's still sunlight. And then uh, as the light, the lighting last night, once it's dusk and then, uh, you know, twilight and then the evening, it's just, I just can't say about how what's such a wonderful experience. And we're so fortunate in St. Louis to have this uh, year round. Uh, I know you have brought programming in and including those two awesome guys from Chicago that did dress the part. The Q brothers, they're coming back. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Tell us about the, is it a Christmas Carol? It is a Christmas Carol. Yeah. The Q brothers are this amazing hip hop theater collective out of Chicago and their sort of breakthrough smash was a, a hip-hop adaptation of a comedy of errors called A Bomedy of Errors. <laughs> and they've gone on to do a lot of different hip-hop adaptations of Shakespeare plays. And then um, maybe eight or nine years ago, they did one of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And it was for a long time the, the holiday show for Chicago Shakespeare Theater. And so this is going to be the first production ever um, outside of that. And they're coming down to St. Louis for basically from Thanksgiving to Christmas to do that show downtown at the National Blues Museum, which Ooh. is a new partnership for us that we're really excited about. They've got a great venue that's really a music venue. And that's where we did dress the part too. We did it at the Ready Room, which was you know a, a music venue and just a great fit for their style, which is sort of this hybrid it's like half concert half musical um and it's so funny and so clever and uh so yeah we're we're since people love dress the part so much we're really excited to bring them back and, and share something else yeah dress the part got in right before the the shutdown the pandemic shutdown and these two guys it was uh they took two gentlemen of verona but they set it into a high school and they were on stage the whole time in so many different costumes and so many different things. And it won several of our awards <laughs> for the, the sort because they were just incredible. I, I can't believe how fun it was, but it was adapted to St. Louis. So so I'm excited to see this uh, Christmas Carol. And uh, so you have a full plate. You are just not the summer. No, no, no. Yeah. And we'll have another brand new show. Um by a St. Louis writer in the spring. So we're, we're, we're expanding. We're pretty much year round at this point. And, and technically there is a Shakespeare play going on at the Fox theater right now because the lion King is in town. So that's true. That's true. Based on William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Absolutely. So yeah. Shakespeare leads to everything. And I always, I always love that, that poster or that meme that shows all the phrases that we use nowadays that are uh, attributed to Shakespeare. Yep. He, he keeps cropping up, doesn't he? I know. And so the, the mission that you have to make Shakespeare accessible to all is really uh, just really remarkable. And I wish you the best of luck. And how many years have you been here? Because it seems like you've just uh, brought this and, and, and uh, Rick Dildine had built this great foundation and then you came and it's just this brand new, this uh, spirit of invigoration and rejuvenation. And especially 
what you all did with the pandemic uh, and how you pivoted was was really great. So uh, do you think your education programs bringing it into the schools and making it accessible, do you think that that really helps translate to, to older people too getting involved? Absolutely. You know, I think everyone's a lot of people have that experience where it kind of clicks and comes alive for the first time. You know, it's it can be hard to read. It can be hard to sort of, you know, um, just sort of think about as an idea, these old Shakespeare plays. But, you know, you have that moment where you see a performance and you not only understand it, but you're laughing and, and getting you know involved in it. And you realize, oh, my gosh, this is you know, this really has something for me. And so a lot of times that happens in, in, you know, in, in school and, 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 uh, and at a young age. So, yeah, we, you know, our education programs have really kind of consolidated around Sumner high school in the Ville. And so we're, we're really, um, you know, we're, and we're in the classroom every day with those kids. So it's, 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 it's become a deeper engagement as opposed to a wider one. Um, but uh, you know, we want to make sure that those kids have those same moments that everyone else gets. Well, much ado, much ado about nothing. That's is the a, Canadian version. Is a romantic comedy that everybody can relate to, and it's so funny because it's a, uh, it's uh, this guy likes to mess with people <laughs> and create rumors. So he gets people in on these uh, rumors. And they believe them and it changes the course of romance for two couples. And so you're seeing that back and forth. There's the young couple and then there's the confirmed bachelor and what Shakespeare referred to as uh, a spinster <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so it has that touch of Jane Austen to it, too. You know? And so uh, and, and she she dishes it out as much as a guy does in, in this show, which is why Beatrice is so fun. But I encourage everybody, if you, if you were like, what is this play? Uh, I trust that you will, you will grasp it in the first couple minutes. And then the audience just cheers and whoops and whistles and, and <laughs> it's great. And that's, what's fun about the park setting is that I think it gives people permission to do that, to sort of be a part of the performance in a way that you maybe don't feel um, if you're in a theater. So it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, you know, feel lucky to have, um, you know, kind of inherited it, but uh, the, and it feels so good to be able to share it the way it's meant to be shared. The last couple of years have been, um, you know, great in terms of, you know, forced to be creative in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise, but, you know, this is what we're here to do to put these plays on and to, and to, let as many people as possible enjoy them as much as they can. Well, I'm scheduled to see it on June 12th. So if you find me because, you know, you have to schedule everything out with children. And so if you see me sleeping before the show, come over and kick me and wake me up. Tom, I'll leave that to your wife, but uh, it'll be great <laughs> to see you there. <laughs> Thank you very much. We will see you again. And do we have any surprise announcements for next year yet? Because sometimes you guys plan out and you like to tell everyone. But are we doing that yet? <laughs> uh, we are planning, but we're not yet telling. So not? OK, uh, you'll have I'll have to come back for that big moment. Absolutely. All right. So St. Louis Shakespeare 
festival.org. STLshakes.org. Oh, shakes.org. Okay. I thought, you, I thought you switched it. I wasn't sure. Yep. 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 That was in the pandemic. <laughs> STLshakes.org for more information. Thank you, Tom. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Break a leg. I'll be there. I go every year and I enjoy it. I have a great time. And I do love getting these special beers that they make just for that. It is so it is so St. Louis to do something like that. Yeah, right. A special beer. What would be more St. Louis? <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thank you, guys. See you. Right. So, Lynn? Yes. You need to tell me about Karate Kid. All right. Well, it was opening night was Wednesday, and it was quite the event. You could tell who was from the East Coast and who was from the West Coast. <laughs> I'll just put it like that. Okay, but you saw very famous Hollywood folk out there, too. Yes, I was fortunate to sit next to the screenwriter, Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote the book of the musical. It's his first musical, but he's been a screenwriter for many years. He was the original Karate Kid. He based it on his life. Uh, so it's semi-autobiographical. And then he, uh, the movie 1984, 38 summers ago, it came out. And it's one of those 80s cultural touchstones. But, it, and it is attributed to creating a renewed interest in martial arts in America, especially the youth. Well, uh, it has gone on to several sequels animated program and cobra kai is going to start its fifth season it's now on netflix it started on youtube yep and then it's netflix now they're going to start in september and so the people familiar with it went crazy i mean it was like whooping and cheering i compared it to the 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 movie creed and also recently top gun maverick which we'll talk about but the audience was just, it is very rare that a big show-stopping number midway through first act gets a standing ovation. Yeah, I told my wife that you said that, and she's like, well, that doesn't happen. No, and it's called Strike First, Strike Hard, No Mercy. Okay. And, and, and it's the villain played by, he is fierce. He's, he's uh, Alan H. Green. And he comes out as John Kreese. Well, the real John Kreese, uh, the, the originator, the movie actor who played him, Martin Cove, Cove. was there at the end of the aisle that I was did he? In. Did they bring him up on stage? No, but they all announced him. This was so funny because before the show, Jacqueline came out and uh, he uh, introduced who was in the crowd. That was a big deal. And the rumor was Ralph Macchio was there, but obviously not. Or so, William Zapka, that would have been great. So, so he goes, uh, you know, the original Karate Kid, Robert Mark Kamen, and this guy next to me stands up, and I was like, oh. well, he also he also did Transporter and Taken. So yes, it's well, not, I I did it's not ask like him. he has done one thing in 1984 and then stopped working in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And he's, he wrote he's lethal. responsible for a very specific set of skills. Well, that's what I asked him. <laughs> I asked him, I said, are you responsible for Liam Neeson's special set of skills? And he laughed and he said, yes. 
and uh, he wrote Lethal Weapon 3, which I thought was pretty- Is that the Chris Rock one or the Joe Pesci one? That's the Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci one. Yeah, that's the Joe Pesci one where they blow up that building. Remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, he also wrote Keanu Reeves' A Walk in the Clouds. Okay, well, see, now, now you're, you're getting diminishing returns. So. Okay, well- <laughs> Hey, I like Keanu. So uh, it was really fun. So I so he turns to me at intermission and he says, this isn't your father's karate kid. (laughs) And so it is from the point of view of Mr. Miyagi. So that is a little different. It's uh, like a memory, like it's his memory. So it starts off with the bonsai tree and uh, it's very. Oh, one thing about this. Okay, so the plot might not be original because it's your classic underdog story. And I would imagine of, that the plot is the Karate Kid. Right. And it's the heart of gold and it's the relationships. Daniel with his uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi father figure mentor and his, his mom, mother, his yeah, his mom, who's played by Kate Baldwin, two time Tony nominee who won a, a Kevin Klein award at the the former theater awards in St. Louis for her portrayal of Maria at the Muni. In Sound of Music in 2005. So wasn't, she uh, wasn't uh, in the movie, wasn't it Travolta's sister who played his mom? Yeah. And also, uh, so the mom has a bigger part and good songs. And uh, then we have his friend, his best buddy, Freddie. And then we have his girlfriend, Allie. And then we have the bully, Johnny Lawrence. So it's it's, you know, stripped to the basics. It's your it's your familiar tropes. It's very 80s. They keep no, it, in it the was, 80s. Hold on. His mom was uh, the girl from soap. Um, Randy Heller was his mom in the movie. OK, I'm sorry. It wasn't Travolta. No, no, it's my fault. I I'm Travolta's mom, um, uh, sister is somebody's mom. And so he's in but one of know, those it, 80s, you know, comedies. the mid 80s. If you think about it, that was when the breakfast club and uh, early eighties was risky business. And we had fast times at Ridgemont high and, and all that. So it, it follows that whole eighties bullies, the, the, you know, getting the girls. So we have that, but well, if you believe how I met your mother, uh, Johnny is the actual hero of the show and not uh, young Daniel. Well, Daniel's played by John Cardoza, and he is fresh from the Alanis Morissette musical on Broadway, Jagged Little Pill. And he's very engaging. These performers are very engaging. They're very sharp. This is a slick production. It's a stand up and cheer kind of show. And uh, that's what you get from Karate Kid. I don't know why people would think it was more than it is. Now, now, hold on. Hold on a second. We talked to the producer from stages last week, and he 100% dodged my question. My question was, since this is a musical, is Bananarama, is Joe Esposito, and is Survivor integrated into no. this? No. And the answer he would not give. So well, could they you wanted just give to be, me a yes or no? To, well, they wanted to keep things close to the vest, but I will say that uh, the... Um, um, one of those. Tell me one of those songs is in the show. No. Oh, no. OK. It's well, a brand new score. It's a new score. It's by Drew Gasparini, who wrote does somebody for- say you're the best around or do they even make or say it's a cruel summer or do they say this is the moment of truth? Come on. You have to give nod to the original because the soundtrack was so 
integral in my life in 1984 and 85. I wonder if that was out of the budget, like if those would have cost too much but, to but put they, in. They could have just they could have alluded to it just so they know. True. Hey, we know that we're not we're not paying for those songs. And because like in Lion King, Disney's paying themselves, borrowing Peter to pay Paul to have those songs in Frozen and Lion King and Aladdin. But there is a song. There is a song called Moment of Truth. There is Ooh. a song called Moment of Truth, but it's not the Survivor song. No. Okay. No. And there is a song. They shouldn't have called it Moment of Truth then. Well, um, and, and and not to diminish from what you say is a fantastic musical, but I am a little taken back. Well, now, Carl, sometimes musicals change from their opening, right? So hopefully the creative team will listen to this. Get some money. And get your <laughs> ideas rolling into it when it hits Broadway. Well, Kurt, I, um, I wait, I aired, and, I aired. There's not a song called Moment of Truth. There's not. No, but, but, I, but, do, but I do think they, they say it. And they, the if they say it, that's wonderful. And like if the Elizabeth Shue character, um, what's her name? What's the girlfriend's Allie. name? Allie. Allie. She's Allie feisty. Mills. Yeah, well, she's unfortunately that, that it was Elizabeth Shue. And then she didn't come back for the second one, which was dumb. But. If she doesn't say it's a cruel summer, then that is a, an opportunity lost. I love that song, but this is a very pop rock score, but it has also Okinawan music in it. And uh, the, the music integration, the, the guy that did the arrangements is fabulous. Andrew Resnick. And he, he conducts the uh, orchestra. This is a, new production team this is the world premiere and the pre-broadway tryout and basically that means it's a work in progress so whatever they change but the rumor was that broadway buyers were there the other night and i heard people around me say to mr Kamen, this is going to broadway this is going to broadway and then another lady said this is the best thing i've ever seen here and uh so people were quite uh, enthusiastic and uh, very vocal about it and telling him too, you know, because once they pointed him out, then people came as well as the songwriter. But uh, there is a song method to his madness that includes wax on wax off and the uh, painting fences. Okay. So that's how they get that in there. And then Mr. Miyagi is played by Giovanni Sai, and he just is a heart tugger. Oh, man, you just love this guy. And so there's more of his backstory in it. And as you know, Pat Morita was nominated for an Oscar in 1985 yes. for Karate Kid. And so Mr. we are in Mr. Miyagi's universe. We have his we have his catchphrases. We have the fly and the chopstick and we have the the uh, use your uh, use your head and your heart and not your fists. That whole thing, they keep all the familiar themes, all the familiar uh, catchphrases, but they freshen it up. And the choreography to me is the very, very best part of this. And it is by this this couple who have done music uh, choreography for Billie Eilish and uh, for other contemporary artists. And they had they were there and they have a young uh, infant 
they have an infant who was there and they were passing off. The infant, oh. but they sat way in the back. Oh, and, great. They brought their baby. Well, they they sat way in the back because there was like they're so far in the back. Well, that was because they kept going in and out with. the. Baby. Oh, my gosh. There was somebody at Lion King the other day. Of course, Lion King, you bring your children, even though it's a very violent story of Hamlet. But there was somebody and I leaned over to my 18 year old and I said, we did that with you, but we knew when to leave because when the child makes noise, you get up and get out of the damn theater. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Kirk and oh, I yeah. had a four year old in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. Night, oh, yeah. Well, we've all been there. Was before. it you, Cam? Yeah, it could have been. I will say that she she appropriately laughed at all of the, the great one liners. So I was like, well, well done. <laughs> well, Lynn, last thing to put a bow on this. Do they allude to the sequels and Cobra Kai? Yes, they they do. That's a yes. But because those haven't happened yet, those will happen in the future. They can't really say, here's what's going to happen two years from now. Yeah, but they no. do. They're sly and smart about it. Um, I haven't seen Cobra Kai, but my two sisters are big fans of it. And uh, so I don't really know. But they have the uh, the artwork Cobra. Well, the studio's named Cobra Kai. Well, yeah, the, do the dojo. Right. Okay. The dojo's name. Well, Cobra it's, it Kai. would be like it would be like um, an insult that Johnny would throw at uh, Daniel saying you're going to be running a car dealership in 30 years from now. That would be something that would reference Cobra Kai. Well, I don't know. Okay, that's all right. Um, I'm, yeah, I shouldn't say that it is, but I want to name the choreographer team because I, I, I think that these people are, I mean, when you see it, you, you just can't believe it because every single critic that I talked to afterwards mentioned the choreography. Well, and it's, a, it's, it's about martial arts. There has to be choreography, right? Yeah, it's Keone and Mari Madrid. Okay. And they bring hip hop to it. And it's so fast, but there's a combination of the seasoned veterans and the young folk. And it's just very slick. There's this whole thing. The director is from Canada. His name is Amon Miyamoto. He is the first Japanese director ever on Broadway. He did the revival of Stephen Sondheim's Pacific Overtures. So this, this is a big deal, a creative team. That is here in St. Louis. And this is the workshop for the Broadway production. Right. And it's fine for families. You guys were talking about families. There were there were small children in their little karate outfits. OK. That's they, precious. Could I bring my karate outfit, though? Would that be acceptable if I came to see and the your, show? And your seven yellow belts? Yes. Because you go to the first one and then you never go to the second one and you keep getting a yellow belt. <laughs> They're just wrapped around me. <laughs> yeah. And there's the uh, the thing. No, it's just it's just really it will tug at your heart but also you will marvel at the set oh that's another thing five uh tony nominees of this year are involved in the show oh wow the set designers by Derek mcclain who won a tony last year for moulin rouge well this this is very good for our city to have something like this you don't need to go to toronto to workshop a play you can be right here in st louis which is awesome. So yeah, theater is quite alive right now. We have, uh, I'm going to, we, well, we mentioned Belleville, Kirk and, and Cam are graduates of Belleville East. Just oh, nice. Well, okay. So last week, Lynn, because of all the graduations, it was most, I still have a graduation party for the next six weeks, every weekend. I have one today, two tomorrow, but 
yesterday, last week, Memorial Day weekend, I saw the Bob's mm. Burgers movie, Top Gun Maverick, caught up on Kenobi, and started Stranger Things, all within a three-day period. That was a lot of stuff. It let's, was. I let's just, start oh, with, go ahead, let's start with uh, Top Gun Maverick. Before we, it, we, before we yes. get into the movies, I got to mention You're in Town is at New Line Theater. I am. And that is a Belleville uh, that is a Belleville Natives Broadway show. Mark Holman. Okay. Yes, you're in, you're in town. Is Tony winning, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, Tony nominee. Tony nominee. Did it never won? I thought it won. I think the content was a little off beat for that time when it came out. A little <laughs> ahead of its time. Uh, if it were to be released now or a, or a revival, I think it would absolutely sweep. Yeah. Well, actually, Mark Holman grew up in Fairview Heights, so I have to mention that. But another Illinois, I'm just giving out, I'm throwing out Illinois connections today. But uh, yes, let's talk Top Gun, because last week I saw it and you asked the question. It did. It won best book and best score at the Tonys oh, and okay. best director. Oh, yeah. They did. I thought they won Tonys, but I didn't think it won musical. Director, score and book. So writing, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah. it was nominated for best musical, and but that was in 2010, I'm or uh, in 2002. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And so now I saw Top Gun. It was everything everyone said it was, even though I do love the internet Reddit subreddit that says that after the first crash, it is all a death dream, which I ooh would love that. Did it? Does that change anybody's minds right now? No, it doesn't change my mind, but it, it adds. An, it, it, is, great, it is intriguing, it's a, though. It's a great theory that after the first crash, because there are two crashes that he just gets up and walks away. After the first crash, it's all a death dream. I don't know. No, because they're, they're opening news. the door for the next sequel. Oh, they're going to do that 36 years from now, too. Well, I think it'll be quicker, <laughs> but I think it'll be more miles taller. Yeah. Which would be welcome. I think he did a great job. I think uh, Kirk and I were both surprised at how much of a Anthony Edwards uh, mini me he turned out to be in this film. It was really they pretty should impressive. have to pay him. They should have to pay <laughs> Anthony was. Edwards for as yeah. much as they used his image in that movie. Absolutely. And Joseph Kaczynski said that he had worked with him, worked with Miles Teller on Spiderhead, which is releasing on Netflix later this year, and thought he would be a great fit for the role. And that he actually ran the idea past Tom Cruise by photoshopping a mustache onto Miles Teller. Um, <laughs> he still had to go through all of the auditions and everything, but that was the inception point. Wow. Well, he rocked that mustache and uh, Joshua Ray, who uh, our fellow critic who hated it, uh, loved Miles. He thought Miles was very brave for having that mustache. So I think (laughs) that's a brave thing to do. It's going to be a meme of its own, I think. But it got okay. besides being the biggest box office for Memorial Day weekend and the biggest one of Tom Cruise's career, 55 percent of the audience was over 40. So what yes, do you guys a, think about a, that? It's a Gen X wet dream. Yeah. And it received an A plus on cinema score, which is something you look for. It's a certain, uh, I mean, it's exit polling for the, for the cinema. Uh, you see big movies get it, but I think for Top Gun being a legacy sequel, I think that's a good, good bar to clear. And Lynn, we had seen that you had posted that about the 55 and older crowd. And when we went, it was actually, like we said, the four-year-old, uh, the younger crowd. It, it was just fascinating walking in and, and scanning the crowd like, this is great that this yep. is resonating with this age group, this demographic as well. 
Yeah. And it, and it was uh, very modern. Those aerial, uh, those aerial scenes are incredible. I think it's going to come up with some Oscar nominations. I agree. We talked about that on the podcast this week. I think it really has a good chance because of the technical achievement that it represents. I saw it it in IMAX. It might even get a best picture nod. It could. It's going to be a competitive year, but we we talked about that as well. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a competitive year, but um, right now it seems it has a good chance. Well, people forget that, you know, Top Gun did win an Oscar. Absolutely. Take my breath away. Yep. Which, and, okay, so they have the Top Gun theme by Harold Faltermeyer. They have Danger Zone. They didn't mention Berlin or uh, any awesome lover boy ballads. They just they just start with that. And then my daughter, she asked, hey, what was that scene during the football scene? I'm like, oh, I think that was One Republic. So they are trying to, right now, everyone's pushing the Lady Gaga song, which is barely in the film. It's a, it's a credit song, which I think is cheating especially on a film like Top Gun. But there is a One Republic song that they're playing in in the context of the film. And so I, I like that. Well, they don't mention Kelly McGillis either. No. And once once you had prepped me for that, I was I was already let down when I heard that. Yep. So I, I wasn't I wouldn't I would have been more upset if I would have known not known going in. But the best part to me was Val Kilmer. Yes, that's a great scene. And it's and, so sad. And especially if you've seen the documentary, which I hope you guys have seen. Oh, man. And that's not really him talking either. It's just him lip, lip syncing the words. They added the, the, the sound in post. So he yeah. really doesn't say anything because he can't. Right. No, right. there's there's a number of articles about that, that part. And how they got that to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad that they did that. But that is a touching thing. And it is it's very nostalgic at the same time being modern. The, the screenwriters did a great job connecting the dots. Absolutely. I, and I think correcting some of some of the flaws of the first film or enhancing the first film, which is what a good sequel should do. So. So that everything that's been said about Top Gun, once I thrown the fever dream thing in there that it check out last week's podcast. Lynn really loved it. Let's move on to and the other popcorn movie. for breakfast. Listening to those guys. Right. Absolutely. Here. Yeah. Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie. I've been talking to people that love Bob's Burgers and I've talked to people that have not seen anything about our buddy. Jim Bats didn't know anything about Bob's Burgers. And he's like, I think if I would have known the show, I would have liked it more. No. there's not really anything that you're learning about this except Louise's ears, which if you haven't watched 12 years of this, you've never known. They've never given an explanation of how Louise got her rabbit ears. And so if you're coming into this, you know more than anyone that has watched the entire 12 years of the show, because you find that out during the movie. Uh, There are a lot of people like Sue Thomas asked me is Gail in it, which is Megan Mullally who plays Linda's sister. No, it's interesting which cameos that they chose to put in and which they just draw. There are a lot of characters that are in the background that make appearances in this film, but they don't have lines like Aziz Ansari has one or maybe two lines in this movie as one of the kids of one of the friends of the kids. And the Silverman sisters should have more because they're the twins and they're the uh, they're Jimmy Pesto's kids. Jimmy Pesto doesn't have any lines in it, but that's for 
way different reason because he was part of the January 6th thing. So they cut him out of the movie. Uh, but the Silverman sisters have big parts on the television show. And so Megan Mullally's not in it. Nick Offerman's not in it. Uh, there aren't a lot of like Marshmallow, who is like one of the first trans characters that was a major character from season one that they've not really done. It's a very, it's a very sex positive show for a network cartoon. <laughs> and I, and the thing I liked about Bob's Burgers movie rather than the television show, they use shadows more B- because on TV, I mean, that's what I just kept noticing. I'm like, Oh, there's a shadow that something that it is. It's still a 2d drawing. It's not 3d. They didn't go that route, which they could have, but it's still a 2d and Lauren Bouchard. I think he directed this. I think it was a really good transition. It's and it also doesn't feel like an extended three part episode because it's 90 minutes. And I, my wife calls them worm people because she thinks that all the characters look like worm people, but she still went and she said, eh, it wasn't bad. And my daughter and I loved it because it makes me think that it could have been a little more, but I'm satisfied with what they did. They couldn't shoehorn all of the characters in, but the ones that they did make, uh, the ones that they have in it are just enough because a little bit of Teddy goes a long way and there is just a little bit of Teddy because if you had a whole bunch of Teddy, I would have been turned off because I don't like the Teddy episodes, even though he's a great character on the show. Does anybody else watch this show besides me? I do. I haven't, I haven't watched all of it, but I've watched some of it and I'm excited to go check out the movie for sure. Glad to hear that. I don't have to be a, you know, it will, it will enhance. Sure. You'll be, and you'll go, Oh, and then when you see Jimmy Pesto in the background, you know he's not going to talk, but you know he's still there. <laughs> yep, sure. But, this might but, be my, but, a good intro for me. I've never seen Bob's Burgers. My sister is a big fan. Her and her husband uh, a number of years ago dressed up as a couple of the characters, and they looked amazing in it. So, Bob and Linda, or were they the adults or the kids? I think they were the kids, if I okay, remember so correctly. You have, you have Louise, Jean, and Tina. Tina is the uh, eighth grade going into high school girl. Uh, that she just does that all the time. She's the one with the barrette in her hair. And then uh, Louise is the girl with the uh, bunny ears. And then Jean is the fart machine. I mean, <laughs> he's humid garbage. I'm, sold. Disposal. I'm ready to come and watch this. I'm ready. <laughs> well, and they, speaking- do, they do. They do a version of the theme song at the very beginning. And they do a version of the opening credits. That is very clever. Well, this is filling the bill for the kiddos. The, uh, the no, kiddies. this is not for kids. No, Bob's Burgers is not a children's show. Oh, well, just like the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, did you have a chance to see it, Kirk and Kim? Yes, we did. And it's not as horrible as you thought it was going to be. No, not at right. all. Yeah, <laughs> it was thoughtful. I forgot to mention Carl last week because we were trying not to spoil it, but now hopefully a lot of people have seen it. I will say one of the funniest inserts in the movie is the cats movie. Yes. yes. Oh, I forgot to mention that. And I'm just going to throw and, it out and there. They're, they're all about Peter Pan. So you can now in the, every single trailer that I've seen, in the last week, they've been mentioning that Peter Pan is a big part of the movie. So you <laughs> right. don't have to. I, I was surprised that you didn't want to spoil that last week, 
but because I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So, oh, about uh, about cats. Spoil away. Yeah. No, about oh, Peter Pan. Oh, Peter Pan. Well, because Disney asked us to not reveal cameos and plot developments and storylines. And I just honored that. And the only thing I mentioned was the other singing chipmunks. They mock which I find hilarious, but I just found the tunes walking around, especially the has been at the comic con. <laughs> and I just told people in their thirties and forties, your childhood flashes before your eyes. And uh, cause everything my kids watched back then is all in it. And then uh, just the whole thing about Dale being CG. Yeah. And uh, Mulaney's voice was Sandberg's voice. It's like an old timey comedy uh, couple team, like Abbott and Costello, like that whole thing. I just thought that that was just so brilliant. But Will Arnett, I said Will Arnett was the villain. And all you got to know is Will Arnett. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he just makes me laugh. I laughed out loud. I was watching it by myself and I laughed out loud at things he said. And he's like Peter Pan's. Well, <laughs> coming out that little kid about death. Yes, <laughs> I love that. When uh, I was watching with my kids and in the living room, and they are just uh, kind of engaged, like trying to take in all the information. And I start cackling, and they whip their heads back, like, "Oh, that was what, pretty what just funny." <laughs> yes. Yeah, like well, who are who are these people? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, just the whole, just the whole in jokes the animated in jokes i can't tell people enough how funny it is and i think it is a quite a comedy as just as i think tom top gun's gonna own this summer well i saw a handful no no top gun's not gonna own this summer according to experts dominion jurassic park world four slash six is going to see is going to be the movie of the summer because it has all the same things, including two movies before this that people didn't need to see the first three to be disappointed. Yeah, but, well, it's the sixth and final. Yes. And we'll talk about that next week. We see it. I am taking as my plus one, uh, one of my son Tim's friends who was with us when they were nine. I took him to see it. Okay. Speaking of having an inappropriate uh, child moment. Charlie was four and he sat <laughs> on my lap. He was so scared. <laughs> good, good mom. Yeah. All right. People always talk about the inappropriate uh, movies that I let my children see. When they yeah. Didn't young. you take them to go see uh, Pulp Fiction when they were like 12? Um, they didn't. I did not take them to see it. Uh, they were done. I was watching it and they were in watching Dumb and Dumber. And their movie got over first and being the 10 and seven year old that they were, they came into the theater just as when uh, John Travolta's heads being blown off. Which is in the middle of the film, even though he comes back for segment three, did they have questions about that? (laughs) Yeah. But then this is how smart Tim was on movies. He said uh, he had seen because he was a late night child. He would go to bed, but then he'd get up because, you know, and so Quentin Tarantino was on one of the talk shows and he he listened because he is such a movie kid, even that at that age. And so he turns to me and he goes, Mom, these characters are talking like Quentin uh, are, are talking like Quentin Tarantino talk. 
Yes. Brilliant. Smart. So yeah, they did so. try to put some movies out this week in the lapse between uh, we. Oh, that's another thing I'll get to in just a second. In the in the time between Top Gun and Jurassic World. Also, did you see that Doctor Strange is going to be on Disney Plus in two and a half weeks? That's yeah. Weird. yeah. So IFC Midnight says, hey, let's put out a little horror film. It's called Watcher. It was actually released over in Europe um, a while ago in January. So so Carl and I have different opinions. I actually liked it. I was an engaged uh, psychological thriller. Burn Gorman is really creepy in it. From and, the Doctor Who spinoff Torchwood. He was on the first two seasons of that. That's how I know Burn. But and he you know, plays also- Charlie Bluthorn in uh, the, the offer, which we'll talk about. But uh, Micah, 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 mm-hmm. Micah Monroe from It Follows. Yes, she plays this uh, wife who travels with her husband to Romania because of his job. He, his mother was Romanian, and so he can speak fluent Romanian, and, he, and they move there, and she's all alone. He's a, he's a Gaspar No. Uh, he's in that series of players. He's been in three Gaspar Noe's movies, so I've seen his work before. And soon to be ex-husband of Zoe uh, Kravitz. Well, this movie to me seems like a Black Mirror episode, which is probably what it could have been a nice tight one hour. Instead, they make it an hour and a half and a lot of nothing happens. Yes, you're trying to understand that she's isolated and alone. I got it. I got it a half hour ago. This would have made an excellent one hour long teleplay. And it would have been great. And it's, it, there's nothing earth shattering or there's no big twist or surprise. And I'm not giving anything away because there's a murder and she see, she think, she thinks she sees a murderer. Well, it's like rear window shades of rear window and it takes things. No, but it's as not shades a- of rear window. You're giving it way too much credit. It is a very cut and dry story. Well, as a woman, I know that feeling of you think you're being followed and it's, uh, it's also you, directed by a woman, too. Right. And uh, that that isolation and that being about and then that patronizing. Oh, yeah, honey. OK, the police looking at her and then the husband kind of wondering, like, well, maybe he, he didn't follow you in the store. He was just staring at you because you were staring at him. And that whole thing, because women go through that all the time. So I and I, and I understand that. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I just thought a better movie could be made of that. All right. So it is uh, at theaters. It's going to be available for rental June 21st or 23rd. 20, one of those. And uh, the I think 21st because they come out on Tuesdays, whereas the new releases. OK, so uh, it's Pride Month. So Hulu has a new rom-com featuring Bowen Yang and Joel Kim Booster and Joel Kim Booster wrote it. And it is a, it's a familiar twist on pride and prejudice. It is set in the pines on, 
Fire Island, which is off Long Island in New York, and it's long been a gay safe haven. So they're going for a week long vacation with their little group of friends who has become their family. And uh, they're all gay guys looking for love. Bowen Yang plays a guy who's never had a boyfriend. He's 30 years old and they're trying to get him hooked up and uh, it doesn't it's, go it's well. It's the Bennett sisters. I, I read an interview with Joel Kim Booster, who's playing uh, Elizabeth Bennett. It's Pride and Prejudice at a gay resort. It's very smart. I, I don't know why it's never been done before. It is. And also, I just want to say uh, Bowen Yang, who's one of my favorites on SNL, he's broken out. He was the first non player to get an Emmy nomination in his first season. And uh, he has more depth than you think he does, because this role, besides romantic and comedy, it has he has a dramatic uh, depth to him. And you're with him through the whole thing. And there's also this uh, Joshua Ray. I talked to him about it because at first it was all the stereotypes and the cliches. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to set people back because I'm an ally of the LGBTQIA community. And I think we can all say that. And uh, you're sensitive to your friends and family and then you're like but well, this- sometimes more sensitive than they are stuff that they would let pass and say oh yeah that's funny sometimes the allies are too easily offended for their friends right i thought oh this is going to set you know the movement back or whatever but then it takes this turn and becomes really funny because it is a, what joshua brought out to me was that it is about the stratification in the classes, like the elite preppy white boy club that has the 7% body fat looks down on this multicultural group, Asian gays. And so it was that whole thing, like what parties they were invited to and who's the cool kids and who's the outcasts and all that. And Margaret Cho plays their surrogate mom who owns the beach house that they go stay in. And uh, it's it's pretty funny, the little side stories they have. But Margaret Cho is a lesbian icon, so she's pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, give it props for being it might not be as groundbreaking as uh, you think it's going to be. But I think to have a, a to take all the romantic comedy tropes. And uh, let gay couples uh, show those things, you know, about the romantic comedy movies, I think is a, is a step forward. So Hulu owned by Disney. Always, Disney has reportedly always been a gay friendly place to work. And Oh, w- the day we're recording on this, if you're wearing a red shirt at the magic kingdom right now, you're sending a message, which I have done before. In fact, I have a picture of five of us holding our hands out with a rainbow going from one hand to another on the first uh, Saturday in June, which is sometimes very fun down at Disney. All right. Well, then there's another movie I saw called Wolfhound, which is everything that. Which is not anything Top Gun like at all. It's set in World War II. It's about pilots. It's a true story of this uh, 
Holden pilot, they're caught behind enemy lines. The Nazis are as Nazi as you see in those old timey war movies. Everything's very black and white, even though it's in color. But the cool thing about this movie, which is in theaters, on a demand, and digital and on demand and, and for rental all the same June 3rd, uh, it uses vintage airplanes. Huh. So they spared, a, they spent a lot of money on the aircraft. So it's but, a lot of dog fights. It's and it's, basic. but it's not, uh, it's not CGI or anything like that. It's actual restored. Yeah, but it's nothing like Top Gun. They don't have the budget. They probably had one tenth the budget of Top Gun. Okay. So the lead is James Maslow, and he's in a lot of B movies apparently, but they're all like the chisel, the chiseled young Americans, gung ho. You know, they got the the got the names for their their aircraft, wild cargo with the cheesecake. For, you know the drawing of the woman but the nazis are like every <laughs> every stereotypical nazi you've ever seen in a movie <laughs> so we got that going for us so yeah so it's two hours and ten minutes yeah but yeah, i give it credit for trying and people that like that stuff you know people that'll be flipping and just go oh world war ii movie I'm looking at a snapshot of the movie poster, and it looks like the the blonde main character. He's he looks like a, a young Dolph Lundgren right there. I mean, so that's Trevor. That's Trevor Donovan. Excellent, excellent. I I feel like I'm a little uh, drawn into this movie, Lynn. Yeah, it's it's not bad for you know if you you know it's like one of those Saturday afternoon movies where you just have it on and you're like, well, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's my thing. It. Well, um, uh, that's what a lot of people said after karate kid well this is better than i thought <laughs> but i will say i i never did say this when i was talking about it you don't have to have seen the other movies to get it okay. which you know that's always a plus yeah always a plus so yeah this is one of those throwaway weekends i think where it's just give it to top gun and you'll you can catch up on all the things you can watch all 107 hours of stranger things parts <laughs> one through seven. Well, how about the Kate Bush song running up that hill from nine, which I hated when it came out. Well, I hated when it came out. Yeah, it but it's very, it's, it's very eighties women. That song played forever. Yeah. But then um, they show Max running up a hill. Well, it's so, being literal. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little on nose, but it's it's well, number yeah, and and you can't say where she is running up that hill because that gives it away. So, but uh, it's got number one on iTunes and it's got like eight thousand downloads. It's wow. a, it's number five on Spotify, which I would trust a little more than the iTunes. Oh, I got rid of my Spotify. Well, that's well actually, okay. well actually, I want to say Charlie got rid of the family plane. <laughs> You had yeah, nothing to I've do been, with it. As I've been saying, Stranger Things is a is a seven actually a seven film franchise this season of Stranger Things. So no, it's gonna be nine. It's, it's gonna be, be nine. nine. It's going to be nine because I think it's, the last two episodes are both over two hours. Two and a half time. is the final. Two and a half yeah. is the final. So Which it doesn't just start as long. till July, right? It July first. It's just as long as the Fast and Furious franchise currently. <laughs> oh wow. 
Well, uh, I am obsessed with the offer and I'm all yeah, caught up because I talked to Cam and Kirk before about this and I had to get caught up and I, I keep telling Carl it's wonderful and he should watch it. And anybody who loves, and I don't have Paramount plus, so I can't. Well, it's, it's $5 for, Oh, okay. And, and then Hulu is this much and Disney plus is this much and, uh, Netflix is this much. And so, no, I I have to draw the line, even though I want not just the offer. I would love to watch the three South Park movies. I would love to watch all of those things. But I. Oh, yeah. They're having the streaming wars now, which I'm going to watch because. Yes, because you can because you have Paramount Plus. But there you have to. And the HBO Max and Apple Plus. You say the same thing about Apple Plus. It's just five dollars. All of those five dollars add up to. Lots of money. So I you know. Have let me tell you, Carl, if you have if you have a close buddy, <laughs> uh, just See? saying. Oh, and also the Netflix uh, password crackdown. The, the it has not uh, provided the uh, what's the word results that they have <laughs> uh, thought it was going to provide because they're testing it. I want to say like in the Philippines, it's not working. So, yeah. well, I just want to say about Netflix that if you have T-Mobile hint hint you get free netflix so i've gotten free netflix i don't have t-mobile so for years i have so, nothing i have at&t which gets me direct tv which gets me hbo max which, there you go same here see well so, my trial for our hbo max is over so i have to pony up oh the dough. so you can't watch the flight attendant lynn you'd love the flight attendant i think you would enjoy it it's no, just five I, I bucks for, a month I, I pay for hbo and it's well, not then you should get hbo max then if i you do pay for hbo I pay for that yeah, I pay for that. I watch all I watched um, as much as um, Hacks, one of my favorite yeah, shows. I love Hacks. I got I still got to get caught up with the finale. I haven't watched the finale, but and Barry Jean yes, and Barry. Barry. I'm way behind on Barry. I think I'm on episode three. But, but you, you know, watch the uh, Carlin documentary from Jen. Yes, I have. See, look at all these HBO things. That's only um, another oh, five bucks. hey, speaking of uh, a George Con- comedy, uh, Norm McDonald Netflix special is on and I haven't seen it yet. Have you guys? I'm no. not. It's called nothing special. It is not a typical standup special because he did it in his living room uh, and there is no audience. So it is just Norm telling jokes the way Norm tells jokes. And it's the same week, it's be the sad. same week, Bo Burnham did the inside outtakes, which yes. is an hour long of more stuff. And I, the clip, I, I saw the clip of uh, him mocking Joe Rogan. Oh yes. Very Hilarious. Yeah. I watched, I watched it last night. Um, it's a great payoff. If you loved, if you loved inside, you'll love the inside outtakes. Uh, so I actually, I watched that before Norm McDonald, but Norm's on deck. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, there's so much, uh, there's so much TV now to watch because the Emmy deadline was May 31st. The nominations are coming out July 12th. So we'll have to talk about that later. But I think if Matthew Good does not get nominated as Robert Evans in the offer, it's going to be a travesty. He absolutely should. That performance, when when he first comes on the screen, it's a little bit of a blowback. You're like, whoa, this is really intense. And then like three minutes later, you're like, this is exactly on point. Um, he absolutely deserves the Emmy nod. And man, I would be really thrilled for him to get that win as well. I would too. Well, he uh, is, well, the if you have, if you don't know much about Robert Evans, 
the documentary the kid stays in the picture is yes. great okay. it's great and and the whole thing uh carl we just it's so funny because um i lived through when he broke up uh well when ali mcgraw married steve mcqueen so we're in that part of his life right now where she's dumped him for steve mcqueen so it's not pretty but to me the last couple of shows, we have two more left the best scene yet so far is the Corleone family dinner yes scene. yes it really is it really is the fact that that took place in real life as well i don't want to spoil it for cam and carl and, and everyone <laughs> else who needs to catch up but there's a beautiful scene where the cast comes together and it's really really fun oh it's it's just the best and then i do think the young actor playing pacino uh, in that scene where he's on the verge of being fired. And, he, and so they, they move up the restaurant scene. Yes. Yes. All, all the creative behind the scenes stuff uh, with the whole production of the Godfather is fascinating. I I've read a whole bunch. I know there's way more for me to read, but getting to see this play out on screen is really, really exciting. And I'm so glad that it's, uh, that it's been well constructed. It took the time to and the care to put all those pieces together. That it wasn't rushed, as some of the early reviews came out on it. So I'm just really so happy that it's going to be uh, kind of in, immortalized in this way. And I want to know why Albert Ruddy wasn't a wasn't a producer on The Godfather Part Two. I don't know that story. I'm yeah, I'm so I was trying to find because after this, I was like, well, because he he won his second Oscar for a million dollar baby yeah so it wasn't godfather part two so i was like well where was he right quite the distance there yeah yeah so that's <laughs> gonna be weird but i hope they end with them triumphant at the oscars but maybe they won't and maybe Ooh. they won't even allude to part i don't know but maybe they're leaving it open-ended getting back to if you want a free trial for a week you have a week for Paramount Plus. Did you just look that up so you could get me to watch it? <laughs> no, I was trying to get my sisters to watch it. And uh, Julie looked it up and said, oh, it's only a week free trial. Yeah. And the, I would watch all three South Park movies and not get I would get to like two episodes of the offer and then I'd be stuck. Well, don't you think a lot of those things come out as a DVDs or, or streaming rentals eventually? No, guess that's how they get you. They don't want you to do that. They want you to pay. Well, I signed up for Paramount Plus last year because it was the only way I could watch the whole Tony Awards. And well, uh, you can watch every single Star Trek thing. So mm -hmm. so it's it's, you know, it's like, and do you know, how much, do you know how much I have a Star Trek fan? And he said, do you know how much Star Trek content is on Paramount Plus? New Star Trek content. Yes. A lot. They yes. are milking that for, I mean, and that's how they're making their money right now. Not the offer, not South Park, Star Trek. Start. They have what? Three different shows on right now. They have Picard, Below Decks, and Discovery. Discovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, uh, well, speaking of milking something, look at Disney Plus for Star Wars. Um, but Kenobi's awesome. So Kenobi it is. is awesome. It is. Mm -hmm. Well, after I haven't seen Boba Fett yet, but the reviews were really pretty mixed. And um, I, we never did talk about it that it's much, fine. Carl. There, actually, actually, I want to say there's an article out today saying you don't have to fill every uh, single, not plot hole, but every single, uh, <laughs> every single, everything that was never answered. You don't have to do that. Right. 
So, yeah, I think Boba Fett is just fan service to the max. I mean, they do a lot of it anyway with the Star Wars shows, but with Boba Fett, that definitely was. Them them turning over the final two episodes of it to the Mandalorian, basically, uh, it's it's fan service. But I will say, with, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, this feels like vindication. It feels like uh, giving them a chance to to revisit these characters and, and right the wrongs of the prequel trilogy, um, whatever wrongs there were. And I just think anybody who loved those movies because they grew up with them is just getting the ultimate payoff with Obi-Wan Kenobi so far. And we're only halfway through. They're setting up a really good home stretch, I think. And Ewan McGregor, I just love him anyway. And to me, he was the best part of Phantom Menace. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, I was so happy to see that he was going to do this. And the first two episodes, I haven't seen the third, which I hear is intense. Yes. Darth Vader is a villain, by the way. It's where people <laughs> are going, hey. Spoilers. Can't, can't. And they really beefed him up in this one. It's it's really nice to see him in full villain mode. I mean, he he really is. And you thought and you thought Rogue One. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> look at him. Just go. No, this is more. Uh, more cutthroat and Lynn I love the article that I was referencing before also said hey remember Star Wars films are for children which I have said and I have said this many times remember Star Wars fans are for children but then this is what happens when these fans grow up and start to think about things and they, they I wanted I want to know how Han Solo met Chewbacca. I want to know about the Kessel Run. I want to know what Obi-Wan did for the last 20 years between uh, episode three and episode four. So there might be an oversaturation. And I do think when they rushed Solo out between two and three, they learned a little bit of that. They're like, oh, we can put a new movie out every year. No, no, no. They realized, let's slow down a bit because Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to be a movie. It was supposed to be a movie. And they said, hey, we're doing really well with this Mandalorian thing. Let's put it on Disney+. Plus." I'm glad they have taken a step back. And I don't know if that's Filoni, if that's Favreau, if that's Kennedy, or who is in charge. Ultimately, it's Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, I think it is Kathleen Kennedy based on some of the things that came out in that Vanity Fair article that uh, was released prior to Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I hope to some of the lessons they learned from Solo maybe weren't the right lessons. You know, them, <laughs> her, her basically saying that they don't feel like they can revisit any of the original characters. Well, with she's new walked actors. that back already. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think Alden Ehrenreich was not the problem with Solo. There were no, other but, things. But and Solo's not as bad as everybody it's it was just too close to coming out after the very polarizing last Jedi. If it yes. wouldn't have come out right there, if they would have given it a year to breathe, last Jedi came out in December and they put solo out in uh, May. It, it was just too much. Yeah, there's this great clip to your point, Carl, about Star Wars being for the kids. There's this great clip of Freddie Prince Jr. who was on a podcast a few years ago, and he was a voice actor in one of the animated series. I can't remember. He was, was. He was in Rebels. He played Kanan, a fallen. Uh, That's right. A, a Jedi. He was a Jedi, and his story had a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. And he he always says that people who like the prequels, well, they were for kids that came out at that time. If you don't like them, they weren't for you. And if you don't yeah. like the sequels, it's because it was for the kids of this generation. So right. it's always been for the kids. The funny thing about that is now, if you're t- talking about Kenobi, Sarah Michelle Geller, Freddie Prince Jr.'s wife, 
played one of the Inquisitors on Rebels. <laughs> yes. So, wow. and in fact, I want to say it was the th- third sister because, but as Lynn, you will learn, it is the Inquisitors are ever evolving and that's just a title that is not their name. That's why she's called Reva. They yep. call her third sister, but that's just where she is in the uh, hierarchy at this moment. But yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar played a, uh, a an Inquisitor on Rebels because she's like, oh, my husband's having so much fun doing this. I can do an episode <laughs> or two. Absolutely. Big Buffy oh. fan. So all, all the power to Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I do like the young actress. I won't say what she plays because Carl had a cow. Oh, my gosh. Thing. What? She told everybody who it was before it came out. Well, Bad form, Lynn. That's the big left hook. That's the one thing that they kept out of the trailers that I was very surprised about. But it's it's a worthwhile payoff. Yes. And she's really good. Really, 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 really. Well, there good. were other things that they kept out of the trailers, like her dad, because that would have that yes. would have been a big deal too that they could have spoiled they kept that whole what you thought obi-wan kenobi was going to be is not what it is absolutely and they even said uh lynn hasn't seen episode three a character they introduced in episode three uh it was a possible love interest character and then they walked that back and said nah it's probably not a good idea because they they talk about Obi-Wan's love life in Clone Wars. Yes. And then they killed Sabine. her. <laughs> and yeah. then they killed her. Right. So now we're getting into the weeds and Kirk and Lynn are like, yeah. So oh, I'm also with Lynn. Cartoons. I was catching up on Stranger Things last night and I was like, if I could just get one more hour and I can get caught up with Obi-Wan, but I just couldn't power through it. So I'm with yeah, you. You can't, Lynn. Do, I'm one you can't do the one more episode thing with Stranger Things because it's like if you don't have time to commit to a film, you don't have time for another episode. Exactly. Of Stranger Things. We, oh, we were going to go. Uh, we got uh, every time the phone rings, it changes your life. So the phone rang. We were just about to start an episode of Stranger Things. And I said, well, we're not going to get to watch that now. <laughs> Well, so I was true. just about to hit um, my Disney Plus app and I fell asleep because I was at Shakespeare last night, which, you know, you guys, it's long. And then we went for a little, little tiny bit uh, to the of drinking after party. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so I just, you know, just talked to a couple people and left. But I did hear uh, I want to say this before we conclude. Yes. Uh, another a great theater company in town that is taking their theater to the masses is Metro Theater Company. And I talked to Joe Fowler last night and they have a show right now called In My Granny's Garden and it's geared for young children and they are taking it all throughout the bi-state area and they will be at Eckert's in Belleville the end of the month. Really? So you two can bring your children and uh, they're in Ferguson right now and it's a short play. And instead of everybody having to come to St. Louis to see it indoors, it is going to be uh, at this there. They're in a, Joe was telling me at Eckert's they're in a really cool place uh, to uh, see it's near the children's playground. And so it's like, you know, it's less than an hour, but free, uh, you know, free theater for the little ones. Lynn, they let you buy back into the playground. Congratulations. <laughs> and I told him, I said, well, you got to go inside the country store to get the pies. And he goes, I know the two weeks that we're there is going to be very 
hard because <laughs> they do have that custard shop too. Just saying. And I, speaking of Illinois, Lynn, you'll be very happy to know that I will be in Illinois for many, many hours tomorrow as I am going to the sold out NASCAR race over at Worldwide Technology Speedway. It will be 87 degrees and partly cloudy. So I will be wearing, I, I don't own a tank top, but if I did, I would wear it to fit in. Well, the Illinois 300 is a big deal. And Bubba Wallace took his car to an East St. Louis McDonald's. Well, and I was I was at the brewery last night and they were having a big uh, uh, Kevin Harvick party that I almost snuck into, but I did not. So because he drives the Bush light car, it is a big deal. NASCAR coming to St. Louis. That's why they built the dang raceway 20 years ago. They built it and they had to modify it because they didn't build it correctly the first time. They didn't have a ramp that went underneath, but now they do. And NASCAR coming to St. Louis is pretty big for St. Louis because they've been trying for this for a long, long time, nearly 30 years. Yeah, so it, I'll it be is, there sweating. It's a huge deal. Well, Richard Petty was being interviewed and he said, really outside there is a, there isn't a nascar venue for for a couple states no there's one in kansas city oh there is one in kansas city but that that was that was a thing 30 years ago oh damn it kansas city got one we're never going to get one so technically it's in illinois so we do but we don't and re- just prepare for the 230 race i'm leaving my house at 11 o'clock in the morning because Parking in and out of there is going to be insane. I'm not going to tell you the way I'm going because I think I, I know the secret. If but you're familiar with Madison, there is no, there is, there's one in and one out. Well, two North and South. If you're smart, you won't take the one that they're, they're actually opening up the shoulders to have more lanes, four lanes going in and out of the place. It is going to be a parking driving nightmare tomorrow so good luck everyone yeah well it's great for illinois it's great for our region the bridge goes both ways just want to say that (laughs) and uh the uh yeah oh uh we we do have to wrap up i did see benediction (sighs) that guy i don't like that guy's movies terrence davies everybody thinks he's so artistic and it's all this Oh, it's so good about yearning and repression, you know, like he's a master. Oh, come on, people. It's like, you think that Watcher was filled with space. Where do you see Benediction? It's about or the, I won't. How it's about, about the World War I poet Siegfried Sassoon. And he had to I live in the shadows because um, of the, the period being gay in uh, the early 19th, uh, the early 20th century in England. So, but it's really strange because he's this poet who becomes this anti-war activist. And then it turns into a whole other movie because he has these <laughs> self-destructive gay relationships. Oh, I'm sorry. People. What? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he That's has exciting. This, well, they're all, it's just all like really theatrical and, uh, they're, because they're like showbiz types and it becomes really bitchy and uh see that part sounds fun (laughs) and then he marries a woman because that doesn't go well and then they morph it was these older 19 teens that's what you had to do back then if you were gay yeah 
So then he marries the woman, but then he morphs into an older actor, not the same actor, Jack Loudon, who is in Slow Horses on Apple Plus. He's very good. But this movie It's only five dollars a month, Lynn. Well, you should have Apple because then you get to I watch do Ted have Lasso. Apple Plus because well, of Ted yeah. Lasso and Severance and Coda. Uh, oh, Coda. Yeah. And so and the music, video, the music documentaries are really good. But yeah, no, $4.99 on Apple is totally worth it unless you have a free year because you have an Apple product. But Jack Loud is very good. So uh, they morph into these older actors, but they're not wearing makeup. They're like older, different actors. OK, so I won't be seeing Benediction. And he's this bitter old man. And it's like, oh, I wasted two hours in 10 minutes to find him to this be thoroughly unpleasant old man. So Cam and Kirk, is your podcast more structured than this? No, this has been great. This has been great, but <laughs> I think it's uh, similar. We do. We do two different types of episodes. We do uh, movie news, which we call what's popping. And then we also do movie reviews uh, every week. And it's called popcorn for the number four. Breakfast. So the, the podcast is called Popcorn the Word for Breakfast, but our website is popcorn the number four breakfast.com. And you can find us on every podcast uh, platform as well as YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook. We have a Discord server. So lots of different ways to connect with us. Damn. We, we stream every Monday night uh, our What's Poppin' movie and TV news. And then we do a movie review every week. And this week will be Jurassic World Dominion. Well, Excellent. cool. Thank you so much for being on. Thank yeah, thank you for, you having, for us. having us. We've had a blast. Well, it's been it's been real. It's been really fun. I've, I'm enjoying it. And then Tom, I'm so glad he got to come and be on. They've been a little preoccupied at Shakespeare St. Louis. Yeah. Our Saint festival. Lynn, where do we find you? Oh, I am on uh, KTRS radio every Thursday night with Ray Hartman. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Benhouse goes to the movies. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And I'm glad you guys said that about what's popping because I was going to like, kind of like, so I'll do something else. But I have a column called Pop Du Jour that's going to have some showbiz news in it. And um, let's see, what else am I on? Oh, Webster Kirkwood Times. The newspaper, yeah every friday you can find me at underscore carl the intern on twitter and instagram you can listen to me every monday through friday on the mark cox morning show we have said farewell to our news person denise schaefer who's been on the air for 18 years farewell to denise congratulations on being semi-retired and you can also hear me on kmox on the outdoor show on sundays either before or after the baseball game so hi Bye. Hey, thanks, Cam and Kirk. <laughs> Go to their Thank website. Thank you guys for being on. Bye now. Thanks breakfast. for having us. Thank you again so much. Bye-bye. Enjoy the weekend. Hakuna Matata. See you guys. See? You finally got it in. <laughs>